Hello and welcome to the Drop the Remote Podcast. I'm Ben Houck. I'm Chris Heyer. And I'm Shane Foley. And we're going into the Spider-Verse, baby! Spider-Man episode, we've been waiting for it. I know you loved our Batman episode, and now we're going to go just as hard into Spider-Man. Freaking love Spider-Man. We are all teenagers with weird problems, man. Uh, we love Spider-Man. Um, we're going to rank the definitive Drop the Remote rankings of the existing Spider-Man movies. Uh, might throw a comic book or two in there. We'll see how crazy we get. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to go deep into Into the Spider-Verse and preview a little bit of Across the Spider-Verse, our number one draft pick of movies we're most excited for this year. Uh, fellas, first, how you doing? What have you been watching lately before we get into the deep spider bite <laughs> of Spider-Man? I'm doing pretty good, you know. Uh, I So, what I've been watching, I have I have three things that I think have been interesting for me so far. So the first one I'll start off with was kind of a weird one. Christy, she'll go on and off on like true crime stuff, but we both will watch like anything cult related as like okay. a true crime thing. And I just, those ones are That's always interesting to me. True crime. So we just watched Stolen Youth. I think it was on Hulu, I want to say. Okay. And it's like, it's super weird. It's this dude who moved in with his daughter at college, like started crashing on this dorm room college couch and somehow like lured these kids in to live at his apartment in New York City and made this weird sex cult Sounds thing creepy. going on. It was wild. It's like three show. it's three episodes long, but it's it real? was yeah. Oh yeah. That's Oof. gross. That's that's always that's, it was that's super weird. That's the up. hook of the true crime man. Yeah. Oh, so that one was an interesting one. Gives me the TV GBs just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> we also I so I finally caved and got an Apple TV subscription. Mm, told you you could just have my I know, first. but I was like, I don't know. If I, my first plan was, oh, I'll just do this, uh, the free week trial. Sure. And then, and then the I just, Steve Jobs. Yeah, I haven't pulled it here. I mean, yeah. it's like it's like five bucks a month. <laughs> so I caught, I've caught up on, you know, the Ted Lasso's mm -hmm. of it all. Have you, had you watched the first two seasons? Yeah, I've oh, seen okay. we, so you, I, we used to have Apple TV and okay. then just got rid of it. So when, you, just, like, you, only had a little, you only had like four or five episodes. Just yeah, it up. wasn't bad. Do you watch Shrinking? I haven't watched Christy watched Shrinking without me. She like it. Uh, she has been enjoying it. Nice. I'm going to watch it, but I have catching Big up to do. Good for Shrinking on the Drop the Remote Pod. Oh yeah. yeah. But so there's so, yeah. another there's another one on there. Uh, the Big Door Prize. It's called. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you guys even seen the previews walk, for it or anything? It. It's weird. So it's the main guy. I don't know many of the like cast members okay. of it, but it's Chris O'Dowd. Okay. The Irish guy from like you ever watched the IT crowd? Yep, yep, yep. And uh Bridesmaids. Yep. So he lives in this like small town. He's a teacher, and there's this machine that shows up. It almost looks like a little photo booth thing. Okay. And it says, Find your life's potential, your true life's potential. Okay. So you go in and it's it's wild. You like put in your social security card, like your social security number and your fingerprints. Which everybody seems to have no problem with. Okay, just yeah, puts it right in. They're just, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. fine, yeah, okay. And it prints you out this little blue card that says like what your true life's potential is. Okay. And like, it, so each episode is kind of on one character, 
and it shows their card that they got and mm. kind of explains some, and how that motivates them or yeah. unmotivates them i'm sure it's interesting yeah it's yeah. wild so there's like yeah some people get really good ones and they're like oh this is great some people get like yeah i'm gonna try hard to get to that yeah. the principal gets like biker or something and she like <laughs> bu- goes out and buys a motorcycle and has like a leather jacket and all this shit like yeah. it's good <laughs> would you recommend so far so good i'd say okay. it's it's not top tier for me yet or anything like that okay. but it's enough that i've enjoyed it and was like oh a new episode came out i better like i want to watch keep, that you're keeping it on you're keeping up i know it. when the new episode is coming out and i'm like prepared to watch that episode. fair enough love chris o'dowd very funny guy yeah uh, great and then you got this last one the resort what's the that resort one so i watched that literally before you guys came over today okay i found it last night is that why you didn't pick up my phone call the first <laughs> time like, fuck you shane i'm resorting right <laughs> now it's um that's a Peacock one. Okay. I have no idea when it came out or anything like that. I just was scrolling through last night mm-hmm. and saw it. It had to watch Into the Spider-Verse, but mm-hmm. <laughs> came back had this to? morning. Or no, again, to. I enjoy, I did enjoy it more than I probably had to makes it sound. Mm-hmm. But the resort is, it's, okay, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, Go for it. We've, we've Kristen Miatoli or okay. something like that. Is that ringing a bell to you guys? Not yet. I'm, I'm going to cut yeah. how I said it and then say it correctly it. <laughs> later. I think you should leave it. Maybe I will. <laughs> it's, so it's this weird... So it's her and her husband went on vacation to Cancun and they're at this resort and they go four-wheeling and she gets into a crash and finds this old Razor cell phone and it's from this kid that went missing 15 years before and so her and her husband are trying to solve this, like, disappearing, like, mm. missing persons case. And it'll also flash back to the 15 years before and show you some of, like, what was going on then. Yeah, Kristen Militoli. Is uh, that what is it is? Okay, the, good. How I, how I Met Your Mother ruiner, uh, if you will. It is the figurative mother the of mother How I Met of, Your yeah. Mother. <laughs> uh, yeah, Militoli. Yeah, a lot of things. So it, it's been good. So I literally watched two episodes this morning. I'm I'm gonna keep watching it later. Oh, and that was the tie to uh, you're saying Palm Springs because Krista Militoli is obviously in Palm Springs. She's as well. in Palm Springs, and yeah. also um, I think it's directed by the same person okay. or something All like that. Right. Like Love the, Palm Springs. Yeah. We'll have to give the resort a chance. A little peacock action there. Cool, uh, Shane. I know you went and saw John Wick. Lay it on me. What did you think? John Wick Four. Couple disclaimers. I have not seen John Wick one through three. And I am not the biggest action movie guy. Mm. However, I could tell you the plot of John Wick 1 through 3 after the first 20 minutes of John Wick 4. It's pretty simple. Keanu Reeves is a retired assassin of an underground assassin's creed. Mm -hmm. His wife dies. Some dude pisses him off and kills his dog and steals his car. He gets back into action and he gets pulled back into that world. And then just starts killing. Am am I right? (laughs) That's it. That's That's, really it. I've only seen one. but You want the story arc of John Wick? There it is. That's you all you do that's not all need, need to four two off. and a half hour movies to walk through it. John Wick four. Here's here's my take. We'll start with Keanu Reeves. Uh-huh. Keanu Reeves. I will give him credit for this. He is a very good nonverbal actor. Yes, he does a very, and I don't think that you see that with like every actor and every actress. And I think it's a very unappreciated talent. Yeah, to the naked eye, doing the work with the eyes. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. 
It was two hours and 45 minutes of him blocking bullets with a fucking suit jacket. <laughs> that, that is the worst part of the lore, I will say, is the Kevlar suit jacket. Because even in a Kevlar jacket that looks like it's two inches thick, when those guys get shot, they, like, fall backwards. They're going they, down. Like, they can't breathe for, like, several yeah. seconds at a time. And John Wick's just over here taking bullets He like was nothing. so haggard in the movie, too. Like, he was, yeah. was like, Keanu Reeves, you're going to need to retire after this, man. I, and I'm sure you're using a stunt double. Mm. I don't think so. So he does a lot of his own stunts. There's a few things that he doesn't. So there are a lot of Keanu doubles in John Wick for certain things, especially some of the driving sequences. Yep. But apparently the one where he's at the Arctic Triumph is actually him power sliding a, the car and then grabbing the gun and then shooting. So Keanu, to his credit, actually did that. And like he's got the knuckle marks to prove it. Like he just grinded his knuckles on asphalt so many times trying to get this done, right? I don't yeah. know. How, I've been there before, like to the Arctic Fault. Mm. I don't know how much money they had to pay to get that shut down. It is the... It, I've driven through it. Yeah. It is the most busy yeah. intersection. It makes the Crew Coffee parking lot in Saratoga look formidable, which is the worst <laughs> parking lot in America. Yeah. Obviously, like, they do it, like, super late at night, one. And then two... I'm pretty sure after the initial establishing shots, they just CGI'd it back in and then did it in like a warehouse or whatever um, after the initial. And that's the cool part about John Wick is like, yes, they did some stuff on location and then for practical and budget reasons, like to get the stunts right, did it on I, a I think, stage. I think I'm probably shooting myself in the foot here because I didn't watch one through three and mm. I will. I'll get to them. I think I wish they dove a little bit more into the storyline of the Continental Hotels. Yes. Of the the guy that ran the Osaka. He seemed awesome. I wanted to see a lot more of him. Mm -hmm. The guy that ran the New York Hotel, I think it was Al Pacino, right? Um, no. What is his name? He looks He's fantastic. He looks yeah. exactly like Al Pacino. He's got a lot in common with him, for sure. Um, and I wish they gave you a little bit more of Kane. It just was two hours and 40 minutes of just Keanu Reeves getting thrown downstairs doing the same, like, leg toss to mm. every single person that he came in close yeah. contact with and then shooting him in the head. And he has 15 lines throughout the whole movie. Pistols, consequences, actions, rewards, loving husband. I'm like, this is, I get it. I'm not a huge action guy, so it's probably not for me. Mm. I'm sure people that love action movies are crazy about I, it. I love the contrast because, like, to me, John Wick is a blunt instrument, and I love him to death for just being what he is, on the nose, just give me what I want. John Wick kicking so much ass, and if you're not into the Keanu Reeves, Reeves just kicking ass for... And I, I will say this one being 40 minutes longer than all of its predecessors, like, John Wick is one, is a tight 90 minutes, and I think a lot of people appreciate it for the tightness of the story of the yeah. first one. And then the second one does all this big world building. And then three, like, does way too much world building and gets bloated. And I appreciate the four, like, reels back in some of the world building. The Baba Yaga. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, the Bill Skarsgård of it all. And only having good. one villain helped a lot. I'm not saying John Wick 4 is a perfect movie in any way. But I'm also saying it is definitely going to make my top five movies of the year. Well, unless, like, this is just an amazing movie year. So you had mentioned on one of the last podcasts mm -hmm. that they're doing a spinoff show or yes, something, right? the Continental. So do you think that holds back from them diving into more yes. of that in the movie? Like, they're like, save it for Abs the, absolutely. Probably. They, the show. They wanted to make, um, and I'm, I'm, we're going to wrap up John Wick so we can get into Spider-Man. Um, they wanted to make the epic action movie, and that's why they get like the Lawrence of the Arabia shots. They do like yeah. all these crazy big set pieces. They knew so what they, they were could going tie for. A bow figuratively on what had happened in John Wick so far, so then they can expand it into different spots. I love the contrast. 
we're going to talk more about John Wick on Drop the Remote podcast, but I love the contrast, Shane. Yeah. Uh, and they, and they, big and love you know, and big hate here. <laughs> and you know what? They knew what they were doing. They were they were going full-blown action mm. movie unapologetically. Also, last weekend, I... Yeah, they hit us with it on Among Thieves. I think people... Yeah, I went, I went Friday night. I went to go see John Wick for Sunday matinee. I went and saw Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves with a college buddy who came up. He's a big D&D guy. Mm-hmm. Went to it with very low expectations. Was very pleasantly surprised. It was did not take itself too seriously. Where do you guys stand on Chris Pine? Pretty high? Pretty low? After that? Yeah. Slightly, Star Trek, slightly above average. Wonder Woman. I, I think Chris Pine's a leading man. He's I think definitely he's not somebody guys. where I'm like, I think he's good. oh, he's in that. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, yeah. But. No, I think he's good. Mm. I, and they also, just to quickly digress, they had the commercial in the beginning of the movie where like the cast comes out and they're like, thank you for seeing this yeah. movie the way it was meant to be seen. Who's the fucking target audience for that? Because every single person <laughs> that's seeing that preview is already in the theater. So you're not agreed, advertising agreed. to anyone. They, they're fucking that up. They yeah. want to keep you coming back. My favorite is that Jude Law is um, contractually obligated to do it. And all he can say is like, and now D&D Honor Among Thieves. Like he won't even <laughs> say anything else about it's it. Like, like, you like, see he, Nicole Kidman he there refusing, too. Exactly. He's on the very edge of the screen, clearly refusing to be any more part of this than he has to be. He's probably so pissed. He's probably like, why am I reading the same script for every third movie? Yeah, l- love it. And it's, it's so goofy. Jude Law is having a heck of a moment right now. Um, and then you, we've also watched a lot of Ted Lasso, um, and then you, and then Air and Mario Brothers were the other two movies that came out. Um, Ted Lasso, I think we're going to do a full season recap on once we get all, a full series recap uh, on that once we get all the way through season three, the final season. Um, and then you had a couple of notes on The Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe, which I know means a lot to a lot of people. Shane, lay it on us. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. It just feels like it's dragging. Every episode, I'm like, this feels like a 40-minute waste of my time. I I probably will go back and watch. If I do go back and finish it, it will be when there's nothing else out on mm. TV. I think we're probably a little oversaturated. With Are really- you too much Cub and Wolf uh, out after Last of Us? Is there like just too much of the same thing? Is it too much CGI? What what about it is like? I think it's I off. think it's too much CGI. And I think the writing's just going nowhere. Mm. It feels Very like stale. every episode is just a circle jerk, and we're not getting anywhere. Sure, sure. Yeah, you need momentum. We're going to talk a lot about momentum in a lot of things. Well, and that's one of the things kind of based off of like talking about Ted Lasso, where when you have a show that's like we're doing four seasons and we're out, you have somewhere you're going. It's not just let's stretch this out for as long as we can. Having a destination. So, so important. Um, I'm going to talk about one movie I saw this week that had a destination and one that absolutely did not. Let's hear it. Um, I saw a 65 and I know Shane wants to throw Adam Driver on the bus. Uh, We're going to do a whole we got to do a whole episode there, too. I don't think 65 is Adam Driver's fault. My understanding is that they have like a four hour cut of this movie that is absolutely ridiculous. Nobody needs four hours of Adam Driver like staring down fake dinosaurs. Um, Jurassic Park 40. To the momentum (laughs) issue is it clearly had a place that it wanted to go. But like if if um, the the arc of a movie is like, you know, the slow checkpoint up climaxes and comes down. 65 is just a series of like quick heartbeats of like you just heart palpitations of like <laughs> you're excited for five seconds and you're flat again. You're excited for five seconds and you're flat again of like some really great moments. And then you're just like, well, what was the point of that? It's not going to the thing that we expected to. And then like the main ending climax is not the thing that you thought was the arc the whole time. 65 is a mess. Moment, big momentum problems. Still love Adam Driver. Uh, we're going to have an Adam Driver episode. I can't wait for it. But another movie that I watched uh, and loved was Air, 
the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon uh, story of how the Michael Jordan shoe got landed, how Nike originally sold the shoe. I might see it tonight. To Michael Jordan. Highly, highly recommend this movie. Um, has zero momentum problems. Clearly has an end goal. Clearly keeps building up the drama and the suspense until you get there. Because um, you know the history. You know what Michael Jordan's going to go on to do. You know what the shoe's going to go on to do. And so it does a really good job of like showing the characters and how f- messed up and messy their lives are and how the marketing... I compared it to The Office in a weird way. It's like you're not expecting it to be The Office of like a goofy comedy about corporate nonsense, but it very much has a lot of those vibes with a really good 80s soundtrack. And I think a lot of people are going to love it. Is Ben Affleck, I think Ben Affleck is figuring it out as a director too. I think he's, I mean, he did Argo. Yeah. He did Gone Girl and he, he started Gone Girl. He did The Town. Yeah. He's doing this now. And he also did my actual, my, his first movie that he directed is my favorite, Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. With Casey Affleck. Very good. Yes. Um, ben Affleck behind the camera amazing it's funny because Matt Damon said he doesn't want to be behind the camera I'm like you two just work super well together just keep working can you together imagine please it, can you imagine it reversed Matt Damon directing Ben Affleck yeah because Ben Affleck you get it probably makes his life very easy as a director to have Matt Damon yeah, who has incredible range yeah, superstar professional agreed and I will say Matt Damon again just knocks it out of the park as the person you like just enough to make fun of him is is he's just so perfect in that role of just being like a little bit beat down a little bit easy to make fun of but ultimately the hero of the story he's, so he's he, kind of a chameleon because yeah, he's really sure. i he's the star of my favorite action films the born movies mm. but he's also really good at kind of playing like a, a loser he did it in the last he did it in uh uh we bought a zoo mm. He's kind of seems to portray. Probably my favorite Matt Damon loser. He's <laughs> he's he's good at kind of playing an intellectual dick too, where yeah. he does it in The Martian. Exactly. He's got a, he's got a really really wide range. Yeah, we lo- love some Matt Damon on on the Drop and Remote Pod. Um, it's been a heck of a week. Uh, a lot going on. It's it's my birthday week, so it's very exciting. Benny, um, baby's still coming, getting bigger by the moment. Um, a lot of great movies. I feel like we're finally out of Dumpyweary fully. The movies are starting to get really exciting. So there's some good stuff coming out. Mafia Mama. Uh, look at that. Wow. Looking forward to that. <laughs> I love that you were going to start Mafia Mama. Uh, the Mario movie, obviously, making big waves in the movie theater. Um, but our most anticipated movie that we're looking the most forward to is Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Um, the Miles, the story of Miles Morales uh, in his sequel to Into the Spider Verse. So we thought we'd take the deep dive into all things Spider Man and really break down Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Um, Guys, this movie came out in 2018. Did you see it in a theater? Did you see it immediately? What were your initial thoughts about Into the Spider-Verse? Wow, bringing me back. I don't remember. I don't the, think I saw it in a Pre-pandemic happiness. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, right? Like, I could have so easily seen it. It feels like a theater. decade ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. wild. Well, pandemic years are like times four or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't... I don't remember if I saw it in the theater. I don't mm. think I did. I think it was a video-on-demand thing. Mm-hmm. But I also think that I watched it and at one point was like, Christy, let's watch this. Like, I think you'd like it. I think I watched it mm-hmm. twice in a fairly close succession of yes. like, oh, I'll, I can watch that again. Like, that was great. I, I laugh because it comes in quick succession with the Tom Holland movies. It comes in between them as the MCU is sort of peaking in the Infinite War uh, Wars and Endgame. Um, and so I laugh that uh, uh, the first multiversal movie that really wants to point a finger at it, um, Into the Spider-Verse, comes out competing. Sony says, screw you, Marvel. Screw you, Disney. We're doing our own thing with our own story because we still have this character. And 
I think it trumps a lot of what the MCU is doing at the moment. Obviously, Endgame and Infinity War have humongous commercial success. And the Tom Holland thing's great. But I think we all agree that this is sort of a trump card to all of that. Is I, it the start of, like, multiverse stuff, though, right? Like, I feel like there's a lot of multiverse stuff now. Even right, DC, be- like, with the Flash thing is going into, like, a multiverse thing. Right. Before they really started doing it with alternate timelines and the whole phase four of the MCU yeah. situation. Doctor Strange is, and Loki and... Uh, Spider-Verse did it first. Everything everywhere it all at once almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Spider-Verse did it first and did it, in our opinion, the tightest and the best. It doesn't confuse me. It's very clear. Right. Yeah, I'm not like when I watch Loki, I'm like when I watch Loki, the show, they kind of get into the timelines towards the end there. It's like a real focal point of the show and where they're going with it. And it's very confusing and convoluted. And, and you have to really telling and not enough showing. Uh, one of the things we love about Into the Spider-Verse is that Spider-Pig and Spider-Man A and Spider-Man and Tony, not Tony, uh, Peter Parker B, Peter B Parker and Peter A Parker just come out and they don't have to explain to you that this is one and this is two and there's going to be more coming. They just show you very quickly and move on and to the point where they make a joke about it, right? And then when Gwen Stacy comes out and then when um, Noir, uh, Nick Cage, lo- yeah. and then Nick the Cage Japanese crashing. anime version of Penny Parker, um, love all the different variations of it. They don't beat you over the head with it. They just keep moving. And I think that's to the credit of this movie. One of its long-lasting effects is like, don't tell, just show and keep moving, keep the action going to the end point. Don't make me think about it too much. Exactly. The momentum of this movie is fantastic. Um, so for those who haven't seen it, we'll give you the kind of the overnotes here. Um, directed by, and written by Peter Ramsey and directed um, animation, Bob Perichetti, Perichetti uh, and Roddy Rothman, um, all three of them working on it. Um, with an amazing voice acting cast. Uh, Shamik Moore is our titular Miles Morales Spider-Man. Um, Jake Johnson plays Peter B. Parker. I love his voice. Loved him in so many things. He does this as the old, washed-up, 40-year-old Spider-Man so well. Brian Tyree Henry is Miles Morales' dad. Uh, Mahershala Ali is Uncle Aaron. Nick Cage is Noir Spider-Man. Haley Stanfield, who just keeps climbing and climbing in the MCU rankings of how many different things she's doing and awesome um, Zoe Kravitz is MJ, Lee Schreiber is Kingpin, amazing cast. And I think that is also part of the reason it works is because obviously Nick Cage coming in off the hot top how, road. How'd they get everyone? Exactly. How did they, they pay had a all bunch, these they had a budget of 90 mil. How'd they get all these people? Like, do you think everyone was just super excited to be a part of, and we can get into the animation later I mean, on. $90 million is $90 million, you know, like animation's so expensive though. That's where the bulk of that budget goes. Agreed. agreed. Yeah, but do you think it's easier to convince somebody to come in and do voice acting? Right, because it only takes them a couple of days right. to do it as opposed I, to weeks. Yeah. So I wonder if like Nick Cage couldn't have been there for more than three days. Did, right. like, I wonder if it's like this was really progressive animation. And I wonder if they had kind of part of the pitch to get actors into this was hey, you're going to be a part of something here that hasn't really existed before and we see really setting the tone for the industry and where this is going and you you can be viewed as like a trailblazer. Yeah, the moment I saw that animation style, I would have been like, I'm in. This is super cool. Like, And I think that's the other thing that just breaks all the way through is other than the multiverse stuff is this does a unique style of comic book panel animation that is mixed with 3D and perfect rendering along with like very pixelated and just like cartoonish drawing 2D. of it. It mixes a lot of different animation styles unabashedly and is okay with it where that's usually a huge no-no in animation of like you need to keep the entire thing consistent. When you look at Pixar and like WALL-E and all those things, the entire way through all the animation is one consistent style, right? Like in Mickey Mouse, 
there's been some like Fantasia did this a little bit way back in the day, but like for the most part, it's all really consistent. And this is the first movie I know of that was just like, screw that. We're throwing the kitchen sink into this of any different animation style you want, whether it's anime and Japanese styling or super American or some of the MCU style, like 3D rendering of stuff. Like it, it just, it threw the kitchen sink in and it's really effective. Well, I think that it was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that the animation style and the animation itself is actually the lead in the movie. Right, because it, it's playing it, that theme of many Spider-Verses crashing together and all that stuff. We should, before we dive any further, mm-hmm. Ben, you want to take like 30 seconds and just kind of summarize the plot? Sure. Um, so, in the beginning, um, you, you get a Peter A. Parker who very quickly is, fi- is fighting Kingpin and there is a Hadron Collider-like machine under Brooklyn um, that is Kingpin's trying to bring back his family and make them love him again. And he's built this device to kind of cross into a different universe um, to bring back his family. Peter A. Parker uh, is unsuccessful in taking down Kingpin. Um, and he gets mashed into this Hadron Collider t- type machine. And it clearly causes a rift in the universe, right? And so other Spider-Men just start showing up into... Um, this one Brooklyn Miles Morales universe. Um, and then as right after that happens, Miles Morales gets bitten by these super classic um, storyline. Radioactive. He gets, gets yeah. bit by the radioactive spider while doing a mural in a, a underground subway with his uncle Aaron. And then he gets those classic powers where he's, he's not sure how to shoot webs. He's sticking to everything. Sticking to everything. He's right, kind of right. a fucking mess. He can't figure out how to do anything. It, he's pretty much the whole movie. He's kind right. of like puppy under the feet syndrome for 75% right. of the movie. And then they do the riff on all the classic Peter Parkers. Like, I'm not sure how to like make the, the school milk thing not stick to my hands. And like the girl's Gwen Stacy's hair. And like that's classic Peter Parker riff. And we love this movie too for how many classic riffs it keeps bringing in and how many other IPs and um, of all the Spider-Man that's ever been anything. Well, they touch on all of it, right? They it's touch on right they touch on like the dance from what Spider is that Spider-Man three? It's, Everybody yes, makes yeah, fun yeah, of that yeah, dance, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, we're not doing that again." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they even they pull it all the way to the real life Spider-Man ice cream that you get, and they even kind of they're like, "It's an okay ice cream. Yeah, it's, it's an not okay the best. Popsicle. Yeah, yeah we, we could have done better. They have the costume shop." Yeah, yeah. Where the, co- you, the costume shop, all that stuff. That's where you see uh, you see Stan Lee. But, yeah, and uh, they do the meme first of the Spider-Man pointing at each other, which everybody obviously wanted in No Way Home of the three Spider-Man pointing at each other. Um, that happens in this movie. Like, they're just so aware of everything that's been in the Spider-Universe on purpose when, they, when they're going into this, into this movie. Um, so our Miles Morales, bit by it, he is going to a special science school in Brooklyn. He's trying to figure out being an awkward teenager. He likes this girl, Gwen Stacy. Doesn't know how to say hey to her and touch the shoulder. You know, all these kind of classic Spider-Man things. Um, before other Spider-Man just start showing up in his life because he's having a lot of trouble being Spider-Man. So then we meet Peter B. Parker, Jake Johnson. Very funny. Um, and he's kind of showing him the ropes. Uh, before, sort of, uh, sort of, yeah. He doesn't um, want to at first. Right. He's yeah, not super of. into it right away. He's the depressed midlife crisis forty-year-old Spider-Man. Well, which... and the whole thing, right, of his storyline is he broke up with MJ because yeah. he didn't want to have kids, right? And that's kind of that whole thing. Which line. understandable if you live Spider-Man's lifestyle, yeah. Um, he may not have the commitment to that. Um, but yeah, it handles that really well and just keeps it moving. Um, and then before you know it, then we suddenly have got um. Uh, noir Spider-Man, Nick Cage showing up, and all these other it's from like the twenties, yeah, exactly coming in, um, 
as 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 other spider like heroes. Is that John Mulaney? Is the John Mulaney is Spider Pig? Yep. Yeah, very Great. funny. Yep. Which is like the Looney Tunes giant hammer anvils kind of character. I mean, the 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 cast here feels like an animated version of Babylon. It's just loaded with yeah. talent. It, it, it's insane. It's insane. Um, and so Miles Morales with gets really attached to his uncle Aaron because he helps him be artistic and creative and all the pressures and anxieties of trying to be like this very science ahead school in Brooklyn and his, his father and mother, who's a nurse and a police officer, just wanting the best for him. You know, he's under a lot of anxiety and all these expectations is kind of a theme that runs through this. And um, knowing that he has to save the universe, he's just super nervous. And then he finds out that his uncle Aaron is working with Kingpin and that kind of sets him on this free fall and like, do I want to save the universe? Am I doomed? Before ultimately the spider characters pull him in and say, yes, we have to save the universe. We have to go back to our own worlds. Um, cue the giant fight scene action sequence, um, taking down Kingpin as all these universes are colliding in this amazing animation style of just subways coming from nowhere and skyscrapers yep. all in this Hadron Collider type situation and all the different animation styles of anime and noir and um, the Looney Tunes thing happening, happening. And then um, the MacGuffin catches it and they they put everybody back into the universe. Miles Morales kind of seals Kingpin down and and then we're on to the on to the next one. Um and it, I don't think I missed anything. Um, but obviously Spider-Man, classic, classic comic book arc of set up the bad guy, get in, get out. Um, but I, th- I think the bigger stories here are, yeah, the Spider-Verse, the animation style, um, and just how successful and how much this is winking at the future of Spider-Man. I have one ad. Sure. This to people who have not seen this movie yet. I feel like most of the other Spider-Mans are they spend 20% of the movie with Spider-Man figuring it out and then he's off to the ro- he's off to the races. He's fighting the villains, he's saving New York City, saving the world. This is a little bit different. A huge part of the plot is 75% of the movie Miles Morales is an absolute disaster. He cannot figure out how to use his powers. Peter B Parker is trying to show him. He's not getting it and it's kind of really showing this boy who's kind of lost and afraid and how he eventually, spoiler alert, alert, he eventually has to step up when his back is against the wall. And Peter B. Parker kind of gives him this talk about, he says, well, when am I going to be ready? And he's like, you're not going to know. You just have to take a leap of faith. And that scene where he finally like does take that leap of faith is just four minutes of just like, Let's fucking go. And, and animation bliss. And that, that's where you get your cover art of him jumping off the skyscraper. And it's the blue background because he's upside down, but the skyscrapers are pointing down. Yep. And it's just like, oh, man, that's the one shot. And like, just like when they say the name of the movie in the movie, when you see the movie poster in the movie, yeah. I have that same effect <laughs> of like, oh, that's why it's the poster. Well, and it's, it's like, cool because he his, his uh, uniform, Miles Morales, before he's Spider-Man and probably even still, mm-hmm. He's big into graffiti, and it's like a sticking point between his parents and him. Mm-hmm. But then his uncle kind of takes him to like a, it encourages that creative creative side of his brain, and he wears his own Spider Man costume. But he it's like graffitied on it. It's like it's very cool. It's very unique to him. Yes. Well, to go back to your point about how he's not good at being Spider Man for almost the whole movie. He's terrible at it. I think the big thing that that movie shows too is the theme of Spider-Man is it's always 
he loses somebody, right? They, yes. they, all the Spider-Man talk about spider how, people. How there's the hardest spider... part of being Spider-Man is losing someone. Right. Well, yeah. they all have, most of them, it's Uncle Ben. Uh, mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy was Peter Parker in her universe. Yep. yep. Um, whoever it may be. And he doesn't actually lose someone until, what, basically the end of the movie, right? It's like right oh. before. And that's when he starts to be able to become like yeah. the Spider-Man a- that he like can actually do stuff. It's yes. that loss and that like, Spider-Man's whole thing is like I have to use this to help people because I I've lost someone. Yeah. And I love that theme of like anybody can step into the spider suit, right? It's it, the spider suit is what you make out of it to steal something from air, you know, a sneaker is just a sneaker until Michael Jordan steps into it, you know. And I feel the same way about the Spider-Man suit. It's just like the hero is born within the suit, not the other way around. It's like you're not a hero be um the suit is not heroic before you step into it, right? And so I love that about how anybody, you know, whether it's a pig or it's freaking Nick Cage or it's whatever, and especially Miles Morales in the story about, you know, diversity inclusion of like Spider-Man is traditionally in the 1950s, Stan Lee, you know, the white hero, you know, um, and now you've got Miles Morales, who is a combination of black and Latino stepping into it and you know, that's a huge thing is like anybody can step into that role. And I love that they, they don't, they're not heavy handed with it in the movie, but they literally just keep saying anybody can be a hero. And I love that with, you know, especially with like in the internet era of like, you know, my, why is my little mermaid suddenly black? And why is this, that, and all these other things. Miles Morales has been doing this since the nineties. I'm pretty sure he's been part of the comic book lore for 20, 30 years now. Oh, I didn't know that he was part of that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I did not know that. So, you know, having all that backstory behind him, I think helps negate a lot of that. And I love that this movie just seamlessly throws that theme in there. I mean, um, if you're if you're watching the, the Little Mermaid uh, preview <laughs> and you have a problem with the fact that they're doing a, yeah. a, a African American mermaid, like fuck you, yeah, like yeah. come on, man, it, like exactly, like this is the, like wake up, exactly. And I think that's and you know we constantly credit this movie for like saying anything is possible in the MCU, and I think this movie does so well of saying like yeah. Gwen Stacy can be blonde or MJ can be red haired or she can be black or she can be whatever. Or Dr. Ock can be a woman. Yeah, Dr. Octopus can be a woman. Yeah, you know, after all of the um super classic um uh who who did it? Alfred Molina um did the amazing Dr. Octavius. Um and so I, I love that this just blows it wide open, whether it's because the animation style or whatever. Um and ironically um, Zoe Kravitz plays MJ with red hair, yeah. you know, very yeah. face. So like you get some of those big mouth issues of people representing other other uh, races and things, but like um I, I still think that she just blows it open and does such a good job of like not caring and caring when it matters in all the right spots. So um and I, I gotta say the Stan Lee cameo I think is one of the most effective um of, of the notes I gotta say here. The Stan Lee cameo is the most effective use of him in a property. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. No returns. No returns. You, no know, returns. you get the Spider-Man suit and you, you got to make it happen. Um, I did want to say Miles Morales was created in 2011. 2011. So not as long as I thought. It so. was based off of, I think it was right. I was just, I mean, as right as Wikipedia can be. Yeah. I was just reading. It was based off of, uh, inspired by Donald Glover in an episode of Community. Yes. Where he has oh, like cool. the Spider-Man pajamas on or something like that. Oh, no. So, and then they wrote him into the comics? And then that's how that was. That was the basis of the idea. And then they created it off. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. Donald Glover just influencing the creative world in Hollywood yet so, again. So many ways. Yeah. So not as old as, as I thought, but he had already been around for seven or eight years before this had come out. And great. And then obviously 
you know, we talk about the bigger Spider-Verse, all the things we love. Um, the Sony's Spider-Man PlayStation games are rock solid. Love the Miles Morales there. Dude, Same did situation. you ever play the original Spider-Man PlayStation oh, game? I think it was the rough. one based off of like the the first Tobey Maguire yes. Spider-Man movie. That game was sick. Yeah, the, the early Sam Raimi crossover ones. Pretty good because they were the first one to get that zipping animation. You're actually swinging around, correct? Shooting yeah, yeah. web balls at people. Yeah, yeah. And so Spider-Man looms large. We love Into the Spider-Verse. Um, the video games can't say enough about just Spider-Man, where you have you know you play the original Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and then the sequel is Miles Morales, where Peter Parker is teaching Miles Morales how to be himself. Very similar situation of, you know, just nervous to be Spider-Man, not sure if he can do it. But for some reason, Spider-Man's like out of town and Miles Morales has to be the hero while he's out of town. Um, I thought that was a funny thing in this, in the Into the Mm Spider-Verse where everybody's trying to call Uncle Aaron and obviously he's the other bad guy. But he changed his voicemail to say, I'm out of town for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like I'll call you when I get back. Right. It's a cell phone, buddy. Bring it with you. (laughs) I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing that when I don't want to, I know you just don't want to talk to people, so you're like, just I'm out of town for the week. I'm just going to change my, my voicemail every week. Love uh, love Spider-Man. Um, before we wrap up um, and go into all the Spider-Man universe and, and start the definitive ranking here, um, we also have to shout out um, the huge soundtrack of Sway Lee, Post Mazone, Denzel Curry, Juice World. A lot of people g- were made even bigger XX Nation, uh, Vince Staples, Lil Wayne, huge soundtrack. Guys, how do you feel about the soundtrack? Tell me, tell me about it. Christy was running around the apartment singing it the other she day. She used to sing the what's the main one that he sings when Sunflower. Sunflower. Yeah, yeah, she she would hum that all the time. I don't know. I'm hit or miss. Like mm. there's some, Biggie shows up at one point and I'm like fuck yeah. Yeah. But the, I guess I don't think I'm a new rap guy as much as it's it's definitely new era. Rap. It's a very singy rap that yes. I'm not always into. I thought it felt like every song they used was created exactly for the movie. And I appreciate a lot of them that that's like what that. someone living in Brooklyn being Spider-Man would probably listen to. And it, it felt diegetic. It felt fitting. I and thought kept the soundtrack the mo- slapped. It, it kept the momentum going. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it just in all the right ways, keeps the momentum of Can the movie we, going. I was thinking about this when, I was, when we were just like, when we were mic testing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. How funny is it that the, like this main song soundtrack to the very first Spider-Man mm. is Hero from Chad Kroger and Nickelback. And, and like, how, how, like how far have we progressed that we're like, oh, holy shit, God. wow. Yeah, good Me- call. Metro Boomin is producing, uh, <laughs> Metro Bo- Boomin's producing the uh, the new soundtrack. Yeah, I will say on the whole, I was a big hero guy and there was a Dashboard Confessional of song course at one you point were. under one of those, on those songs. And I'd so rather like, take Enrique Iglesias as hero. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, there's been some bad hero songs over the years. Um, I'm so glad that this one just felt realistic, felt like music that real teenagers in Brooklyn in 2018 would listen to. Appreciated all of that. I think to just to before we dive into the mm-hmm. other Spider-Mans and how we like ultimately what we grade this one and where we mm-hmm. rank it. The budget for this was 90 mil. Mm-hmm. Um, animated movies are notoriously very, very expensive. So yep. I'm assuming that's probably where the bulk of this budget went. Mm-hmm. Especially seeing as too, there is groundbreaking and like revolutionary animation used in this. I'm yes. sure a lot of the technology behind it was invested in from that 90 mil. In the box office, this hit 385 mil. Yeah. Wildly successful. Yeah, especially for an animated thing. I think being a kid's movie helped being animated 
aimed at a kid at a kid's demographic helped. And then it's humongous life during the pandemic. Cause I remember in 2020, like it really hit VOD. It really had a second life on all of those subscription the services. F- the first time I saw it was on a plane, mm-hmm. which did not do it nearly enough oh, justice. God, no. Luckily when we went back to rewatch for this episode, I got myself a plasma screen TV. So there I watched it on there. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It's a Michael Scott quote. Um, yeah, let's, I could stand in front of this thing for hours. <laughs> Let, let's do some of the superlatives from Into the Universe. Do you guys have a favorite scene from Into the Spider-Verse? Do uh, I, I think two come to mind for me. Somebody else go first. I have a really weird one that... So I, I was trying to... I've been trying to take notes for these movies, and mm-hmm. I'm not always good at realizing what I should and shouldn't take notes on. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just taking notes on really weird things. Mm-hmm. But there was one joke that got me for some reason, and it's... Because I do like, there's a lot of really solid jokes. The jokes yes. land very well. And they keep it light, especially when things are, they killed off Peter Parker, right? Yeah. Like, they have to keep it. So the In like the first 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So that scene where he's going through the whole, like, everybody's sad. Peter Parker's dead. Mm-hmm. He talks to Stan Lee, which was, uh, wasn't that his last cameo, right? Yeah. Um, and he goes, and he's at the thing, when, and Mary Jane is talking. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got Spider-Man masks on. And she's like, we need people to step up or whatever. And and he goes, they're counting on me. And some guy standing next to him is like, I don't think they're talking about you yeah, specifically. I think that's a bigger <laughs> metaphor. That is really funny. For some reason, that one got yeah, me. Yeah, yeah really he's like a little that. kid in the crowd. Little did they yeah. know. But amaz- amazing scene, too. Um, what about you, Ben? What's your favorite? I, I think I'm, I'm with you of when he finally takes the leap of faith. And the animation uh, style just clearly goes to a whole other level. The soundtrack is just on blaring in the background he's jumping off and he's just it's it's the he's when free you slack out your body as spider-man because like there's the flailing spider-man who's freaking out and clearly this is the moment where he's slacked out his body he's letting the momentum of the fall take him and it's just such a cool shot because it says so many things with one image and i love that shot i love the you know the end of the origin story and into the action moment is I I always love that in any um, superhero movie. That that would be my pick of best scene in the movie. I, I agree. When he takes that leap of faith, it's awesome. I think every movie, mm-hmm. if it's really good, there's going to be a scene that's going to like give you that chill. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's it. When he dives off the skyscraper and he starts to flail in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then he realizes, oh, this is the leap of faith. Yeah, I have and to he, accept it. Yeah, and you see him like you think he's going to hit the ground. He shoots the webs out, and then he just starts like cruising oh, yeah. through well, the city. Well, they even used the cool, like, um, comic book animation panels of yes. him slowly. It's so like, sick. It's, it's just a close-up on his face, upside down, but yes. he's, like, kind it's of so panicked, cool. and then slowly they show him uh, just being I love like, all, all right, the adding of, like, they'll add V-R-O-O-O-M when a car zooms off. You know, they'll do all the text in the panel. You see stuff. the one where he chucks the bagel and it says bagel on yeah, the outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta be honest, I might rewatch it again tonight. It's Just talking about it again. Such a good movie. Um, big fan of the scene also where Dr. Octavius is in, um, and brought in, cause they go to a lab upstate, which of course, like the, yeah, you know, how we're going to get there. Normally it's just like, oh, we're going to swing, but not upstate. Cause all you got is trees. Right. So they take a bus. And I think the whole sequence from so Peter B. Funny. Parker coming through the portal and starting to teach him and being like, I'm fat and depressed kid. I'm not the teacher. You don't want me. And like that whole sequence of him eating a cheeseburger, eating pizza, being a fat piece of shit Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't know whether it's just like the dad, the soon to be dad part of me was just like, yeah, I'm eating those cheeseburgers if I'm Spider-Man. Oh, like, so when he's, when they're on the bus and he's like, why don't we just swing there? And Peter, pa- Peter B. Parker is like, are you kidding? It'd be exhausting. <laughs> yeah, Look how exactly. far away this place is. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta, Keep that stamina up. You'll thank me for it exactly. later. Yeah. I, I love I love all the shouts. And honestly, that action sequence when um 
Dr. Octavius is throwing trees through the Yeah, when the they're trees, escaping. And he's still trying to figure out his spider powers. And Peter B. Parker is like pulling him with his own webs to get him out of there. Yeah. To kind of doing double duty is amazing. And I, I had to give that a shout out. I think the last action sequence really nails it. And I want to give that an honorable mention. 100%. But, but I, I do think the... Um, coming into your own powers part and the the debt the funeral are extremely effective um uh, and i i do i know there's so many good scenes when he first paints the mural of expectations yeah in, in the subway with his uncle aaron like so sick yeah love that too um uncle aaron dying was like it was sad it, it, I, I didn't think i would get that sad for and, like essentially a villain of the movie too. For, I, mean, yeah. it's like that villain. I didn't think it would be that sad i don't yeah. think it's as effective as uncle ben in the sam raimi the great ex, you know with great power yeah great of course whole thing and they say that for like ha- they keep making fun of that which i love um but yeah definitely a moment um who won into the spider-verse obviously they're doing a sequel um, the Us. director, the whole director team, Peter Ramsey. We we run, we, we won. win. Think, yeah, we, we get it. We got to see it, and we lunch. get a second one. It's so fucking good. We win. Ab- absolutely, I, I will take that as the yeah. You know, I would... um, for it. And then, anything that you're really, really excited about as we go into the sequel? Like, what do you want to happen? We talked a little bit about the cast of who's going to be in the second one. Um, is what do you want out of the sequel to this movie? Because obviously, there's a lot going on. Uh, the whole Oscar Isaac of it all is being um, penned in as the venom, the venom, uh, the venom. The, maybe he's venom. venom. I don't know. He's Miguel O'Hara, so it's probably not going to be venom. No, he's like um, a Spider-Man from a uh, like a futury thing. I don't know. It's the. Yeah, but he seems like he, he seems like he scene. runs the gambit in the. He seems like he runs the gambit in. But I, I, you know what? I'll dive into my take. We've seen a couple different trailers now for Across the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. One of them is Miles Morales's mom talking to him about how he's growing up. And it's basically a one-minute-long soliloquy of her talking to him about how she's excited but nervous because he's growing up and to stay mm-hmm. true to himself. And then it pans away to him just ripping through the Spider-Verse. Right. And that's really it. Ch- getting chased by a bunch of villains and trying to fight to stay alive. And but like there's literally hundreds of Spider-Men. Right? There's, an, there's tons of them. There's another trailer. I think it's a newer one, mm-hmm. actually, that does a better job kind of showing you how he escapes... It seems like he escapes his universe, gets into the multiverse with Gwen, who's his friend, and really comes to a world where there's, it looks like hundreds to thousands of different Spider-Man variants. And he basically, who I believe is Oscar Isaac's character, runs that world and basically tells him, you can save your world, you can save one person and go home, or you can save the entire universe and stay here. Mm. And he seems like he poses it to him as a choice. But then as the, the trailer goes on, you realize it's not really a choice. He's trying to trap him and keep yeah, him there. My, my only ask with all that is that they keep the momentum going with all the multiverse craziness. Yeah. Because, like, clearly it's going to have some zaniness. I just hope they keep the momentum I wanna, of it. My, um, my big concern, uh-huh. and I, I think they'll do okay because they did a really good job in the first one. I don't want them to get too over the top with the multiverse and lose me yes, because I don't yes. want it to get to the point where it's hard to follow. It's too hard to follow. Yes. Uh, I'm most excited for the Gwen Stacy of it all. Um, as someone who's got Spider-Man Blue, who's someone who's got, um, spoiler, Death of Gwen Stacy, Sp- Spider-Man book, as someone, I mean, it happened in the Andrew Garfield ones. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, I love the Gwen Stacy character. I think she's the more fleshed out um, Spider-Man girlfriend than MJ is. Because MJ is just like her will they, won't they, forever kind of situation where Gwen Stacy in this one, it has spider powers, which is kind of a whole other wrinkle to it as well. 
Um, I'm 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 in it for the Gwen Stacy of it, the Haley Statfield of it all. I think she did a great job in the first one. I think Steinfield, sorry. Uh, I think she's gonna be very interesting in the second one. It's a good call. And I, I mean, I think just seeing a full movie of Miles Morales mm. knowing what he's doing. Yes. You know? I I wondered like that was part of the charm of the last one was him figuring it out and not knowing right. what's going on. But seeing him actually doing everything and knowing what he's got, he's got something under his belt in and terms he's of got experience. Two core non-traditional Spider-Man powers as well. Yeah. Is he can turn himself invisible and he also has like an electric pulse that runs through him. Yeah. That's really big in the video games. Um, the Miles Morales video game. So I'm really excited to see how much of that stuff. I know they pull in from everything. Miles Morales, the video game didn't come out until 2021, I want to say. So there's like just whole new writing and a lot of the writing of Miles Morales obviously took off with the video game and all this other stuff. So I'm really curious to see how they blend that into. So um, we should have wrote down the date of when Across the Spider-Verse is coming in, but I know it's the summer. I think it's we're June. We're June. We're extremely June. excited about it. Um, and without further ado, let's get into the definitive dropping the remote Spider-Man movies. Wait, real ranking. quick. I, have a qu I do want to know. Sure, sure. I, we might be going there. Who's your favorite all-time Spider-Man villain of all the movies? Well, I think that's why we got to rank them because I think the villains are are sick okay. in all these different movies. Well, I think um, there's different ranking because it's interesting, right? The like, villain ranking is very different than the movie There's a villain ranking. ranking yes. There's yeah. a movie ranking. There's a origin story ranking. Yes. I would also like to like which origin story version do you think is the best? Yeah, like, we're multiversing our own ranking system. <laughs> by the way. Um, so of all the list of the movies that we're going to rank today are the Sam Raimi with Tobey Maguire, uh, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Um, the two Andrew Garfield movies um, with the amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 directed by Mark Webb. Um, and then the three Tom Holland, Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, all directed by John Watts. Um, and then, of course, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, those are the recent ones. We're not going to get into the TV shows and... Uh, cartoons that have done it. I know there's some great works there. Um, so, fellas, I think we're all in agreement. I, I don't know if we want to go in reverse order. I think we go, uh, strangely, in the best then down. Um, and I think we put Into the Spider-Verse right at the top. I don't think that's surprising. Anybody, are we all in agreement? I'm there. 100%. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, the second best one, I think this is where we're going to get into a little, um, you know, yellow lighting, green lighting things here. My next two favorite ones I, I think it's a three-way tie of the tom holland origin story homecoming um and then the sam raimi spider-man 2 where the whole movie kind of really came into itself as far as um the villains and dr octavius and the amazing alfred molina performance and the scienceiness of it and um all of it do you guys have a general yellow light, green light of what you would like to be the next one? I could go with Spider-Man 2. I actually think that Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man is better than Tom Holland's Homecoming. Ooh. But I could go with I Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octavius, Sam Raimi, Toby. No argument from me there. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of the momentum of the whole Spider-Man universe in movies comes from. Because um, one was so, so, so good. But there was clearly some goofiness with some of the acting and what it wanted to be. It had a funky cast. Willem, um, obviously Willem had, Dafoe is awesome, man. Yes. And, and clearly Willem Dafoe had, is just the best. Um, the god-awful hero song from... Nickelback, Nickelback. and Chad Kroger. Um, so I don't think I could put Spider-Man 1 Boo. on top from Sam Raimi. But <laughs> Boo, two, I think Nickelback. Is comes, 2 is where it comes into its own before 3 kind of falls off the cliff a little bit. Um, what so, do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have a special place in my... I've definitely seen the first... 
Tobey Maguire Spider-Man the most. Okay. That one just, I don't know if it's almost similar to a Bond situation. Like, which age were you when you Mm, saw who's your Bond? Like, I don't know, Tobey Maguire. We were peak age. We were, what, 11, 12? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I was. I might be the oldest in the group of when that came out. So, yeah, we were all peak, you know, ready for Spider-Man. I just remember thinking, like, this movie is awesome. Yeah. So that that holds a special place in my heart, honestly. But beyond sentimental value, mm. I'm fine with you know whatever. I remember trying to rent the first movie, and um, where I lived in a small town, and there was only so many copies. I remember driving to somebody's house to get the rental copy from them, so that my family could watch Spider Man <laughs> um, that week. Hey, we're next. You gotta yeah, you gotta exactly, hand it exactly. over. Bring it bring it over. Here. I'll give you five dollars to bring back your rental for you. You know, I'll rewind it for you. Exactly. Don't worry about it. Be kind, everyone. Um, so. So we got Spider-Man 2 in this in the Spider-Man spot, Sam Raimi. Um, and then I think somewhere between Homecoming and the original Ooh. Amazing Spider-Man um, is goes into that three spot. Uh, how do you feel about Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, Chris? Andrew Garfield, I, I like those Spider-Man yeah. movies. I, I thought they were good. underrated. It's interesting because there's different... It's almost like when we talk about the Batman ones. Yes. It's like who's... Who's the better Peter Parker? Who's the better Spider-Man? Exactly. Who's, you know, and I think... Because the Emma Stone weight coming in on the Andrew Garfield ones is huge. She's an amazing Gwen Stacy. Um, yeah. I think I, they're they're better movies. I don't think they're better superhero movies, but I think they're much better movies. Yes, because the digital effects got significantly better. So, like, some of the things that they could do, especially with Electro and, like, just the CGI of it all was significantly better. And Andrew but, Garfield's just a better actor than Tobey Maguire, too. Yeah, he looks way more the Spider-Man part than Tobey Maguire. Like, they're to- both, like, tall, gangly white guys. Um, Tobey Maguire, not as tall, but... Um, also, Tobey Maguire was way too old to be Spider-Man by the time he played Spider-Man. And Andrew Garfield was a much more convincing teenager. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think this... And then, but then Tom Holland is the most convincing teenager because he's just tiny and small. He, he almost looks too tall when he puts the suit on. Does anybody else get some of those vibes? <laughs> the, like, thing, the thing that I love about the Tom Holland mm-hmm. ones is they don't, much like Into the Spider-Verse, they don't burn a bunch of time giving you the Spider-Man yes. origin story. Yes. They, everyone knows it. We've already yes, been told Sam it. had already beaten it to death with Spider-Man yeah. 1. I mean, he nailed it. That wrestling scene where he's got the like <laughs> fake Spider-Man suit on. He so loved, loved the... What's that guy's name? Bonesaw? Yeah, exactly. Bonesaw. <laughs> I, I think... Mm, so this is, uh, this is where we, sh- we should have definitely ranked. Um, I, I think we got to put the original Andrew Garfield one in at three. We're definitely Spider-Man 2 is two. So Into the Spider-Verse is one. Spider-Man 2 is two. Andrew Garfield comes in hot as the amazing Spider-Man. Um, immediately gets signed up for a sequel. Does a lot of great stuff. Gwen Stacy of it all. And this is where I, I, it's weird that I think all four origins, all four of the best of their own class are probably the top four. And this is where I slide in Tom Holland. What's your guys' favorite Tom Holland movie so far? There's been three. Um, all three of them did bonkers business because it's a, during the peak of the MCU. Yeah. Um, my personal favorite is still Homecoming. I think it's amazing. I think Michael Keaton as the Vulture is one of my favorite villains. Um, just very believable, likable villain. And the scene when they're back of the car going to prom is one of the most electric comic book movie scenes of all time. I have a... So I... They're all really good. Mm-hmm. All like... They're all really good. I, I think all the Spider-Mans, aside from Spider-Man 3, mm. are all very good. So let's just We can do all that. agree let's, on that. Yeah, pop that one right down Let's just put, let's just put Spider-Man 3 down at 9. Let's but I have, do it I have a funny story about uh, 
about No Way Home. Obviously, the ending of No Way Home is very, very sad. Yes. And I was uh, talking to my my other friend, Chris, not the Chris that's here. Hmm. My other friend, Chris, was talking to me about uh, No Way Home. And he was like, yeah, the new Spider-Man, No Way Home, it was awesome. And I was like, yeah, it's just so sad at the end. And he was like, the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, like at the end when everyone forgets that he has to forget that he existed and he has to live like a lonely life. And he's like, I think I must have fallen asleep at the end. I'm like, well, did you just, uh, he's like, I think I just assumed because it's Spider-Man, like he saved the day and there was like a happy ending. And I was like, yeah, you should go back and finish that. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it always works out. He's Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and I love that we've got a clean slate now going ahead with the Tom Holland character. But um, ironically, so yeah, nine would be Spider-Man three. I think we can work our way back up um, from eight. I, I think I want to put no. I hate. I hate to say this, but I think I put No Way Home. I, I was going to say eight. No Way Home. No Way Home. No, I agree. At eight, eight, or you want to put it much higher, or at at four. I think No Way Home's at four. I think it's four. Oh, that's, that's I, I like because you get all the Spider Man. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of nostalgia baiting or yes. something like. And it. that was my only major issue with No Way Home is it didn't do a lot of new writing because it's just rehashing a lot of the villains and things that already happened. But it was awesome. It, At the same was, time, it was just fucking awesome. It, it was cool. It also like, like it's gonna sound fucked up. Mm-hmm. Historically, mm-hmm. I feel like this was the first big movie back from COVID. I feel like this yes. was like. It saved. It was the first big box office hit. Yeah, other than I, I, this movie has it. Top Gun Maverick, right? Those those were the two that went. Oh, maybe maybe not. Maybe it was the year before. It was yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes. At the end of the day, No Way Home was definitely a huge box office smash. And post COVID was huge. Um, I don't know. I I just think it rehashes so much stuff that all the reasons I love Into the Spider Verse are why I dislike No Way Home. It's just because it's just so much rehash. We're into the Spider-Verse. is like, I'm daringly going somewhere we haven't gone before. Um, all right. So what would... All right. If, if that's not going to be your number eight, where would you... What would you put as your second least favorite? Because um, we still got Spider-Man 1 on the board. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which has the amazing performance by uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro. Um, My second least favorite is probably Far From Home with Mysterio. Okay. It, it's It's good, but I, I can't put it above Homecoming or No Way Home. And I can't put it above I can't put it above Spider-Man One. And I definitely cannot put it above uh, uh the amazing Spider-Man two. I th- I th- I think I'm okay with that. I think, I think I'm okay with Far From Home, the European Adventure Spider-Man being eight. Um And then I think right above that you put Amazing Spider-Man two potentially. Yes. I yes. think that's right. Set so seven is Amazing Spider-Man two. Um, clearly that did not get greenlit for a third to, to finish the trilogy. Yeah. There's been a lot of rumors about Andrew Garfield coming back and doing a third one. Uh, I think he's gotten significantly older. His he's like 40 now. Different directions. <laughs> I'm not seeing him doing that. Uh, Emma has himself. no desire to come back into the MCU. So, um, not seeing that happening. Um, and that leaves us with four five and six, kind of the middle ground. And again, these are all sick movies. We got Spider-Man one, um, and, and then homecoming, and I push, I push for Tobey Maguire Spider Man at four. Yes. I, I make yeah. a motion for that because you know what? Again, this is what got the wheels moving. Yeah, right? agreed, agreed. So Spider Man one is four, um, and that leaves Homecoming and No Way Home and No Way Home. And I think Homecoming is the the better standalone movie because if that didn't exist, No Way Home doesn't have legs to stand on. I think that's I think that's right because you know what? In thinking back to No Way Home it did feel towards the end of the movie, like mm-hmm. when they bring in the other three and they're on the scaffolding and they're like, 
kind of being three big dorks together and it's a little bit corny. If mm-hmm. I have to give the edge, I probably would give it to Homecoming, actually. Yeah, because when the, when he's pulling him across the beach in front of um, Coney Island and the, and the Wonder Wheels in the background, like, that's a freaking amazing scene. It's so sick. Um, yeah, so at five, we're going to put in Homecoming. Six, we're going to put in No Way Home. And there it is, folks, your definitive Spider-Man movie ranking. Number one, un- unbeaten. Number one all the time into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man 2 of Sam Raimi is the best total package at number two. The Amazing Spider-Man introducing Andrew Garfield is our number three. Spider-4 is the original Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire uh, debut, Spider-Man 1. Uh, Five is the Tom Holland debut, Homecoming. Uh, Six is No Way Home, uh, which kind of put a bow on the Tom Holland and stood on the shoulders of everything else. Seven, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which wasn't good enough to get greenlit for a trequel. Um, and then Far From Home, uh, the European adventure, as much as I love Europe, no shame to Europe, uh, just just didn't have the gusto. <laughs> it and, wasn't Europe's fault. And, and, and the weight. Um, and then Nine, we all unanimously agreed that the Venom, the Toby, uh, Toby Maguire dancing, and Emo wh- Toby. What's his name from that 70s show who just totally stunk, Tover, Topher Grace. Topher Grace stunk up the joint too as Venom. Uh, pretty bad. Just didn't look like Eddie Brock at all. Like a skinny dude was never meant to be Eddie Brock. Period. Uh, Spider-Man 3 stunk up the he joint. He looked like he belonged in like an Etney shoe commercial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a weird movie because uh, Sandman was actually pretty good in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I agree. But just And you notice that Venom clearly did not come back for the No Way Home uh, <laughs> wrapping all the villains up together. Will so. be interesting to see where, and we can probably, after we all see the movie, see if... Uh, see where Across the Spider-Verse falls into this, because then, we'll then we'll have the 10. Yeah, I have 100. It's going to crack the top five. So, And then we'll have 10 Hollywood Spider-Man movies. Uh, how many Spider-Man movies do you think they're going to make in the next 20 years? Yeah, they're just going to keep pumping <laughs> them out. Yeah, they'll keep... Because I don't think Tom Holland's done. I think they'll... I think they'll get one more out of him to, like, wrap up, because it feels very not finished. Like, mm. I, it doesn't feel totally finished to me. And, I think they'll get one more out of them. obviously not to mention when Spider-Man has been in Civil War and the Infinity War and all of the oh, yeah. Avengers yep. stuff. Um, those obviously don't count. They're not mainline Spider-Man stories. I think Spider-Man now has more movies than any other comic book hero, yeah? Um, the Avengers, if you want to count, like Captain America's in it all the way through. Iron Man's in it all the way through. So Iron Man right. might technically he, have more. He, he, probably has more, more. he probably has more. So- he definitely has the most solo ones. He, he, of of just um of like just Spider Man, you know what I mean? Yes, like exactly. You, like you don't see, well, Batman. Ba- I was gonna say Batman was the only other one I think that could go toe to toe because you got your three Nolans. Well, and it's so interesting because there were Batman movies. Well, there was Batman stuff. Like, was there a old Spider Man TV show? Right? No, <laughs> I don't think there was. So there's other Batman stuff that happened. Yes, but then Spider Man just hit. It hits the cartoon. It hit in that the first 80s, one. Nineties, I think. Yeah, and that's it. And it never really pops. The same way that Batman clearly does. Um, so anyway, we love Spider-Man. Go get yourself a copy of Spider-Man Blue. Uh, Spider-Man Craven. That's the other Spider-Man villain coming out. We talked a little bit about Morbius. Um, Craven the Hunter is coming out later in 2023. Very excited about that. He is, it's kind of like the most dangerous game, but Craven just wants to hunt the most dangerous beast. And he declares that Spider-Man is the most dangerous beast he can hunt. Um, I am very excited for the Russian villain, Craven. Um, action story coming well, later this year. That's kind of that's why I love the pod because I actually didn't know that yeah. about Craven the Hunter and about Aaron Taylor Johnson. So, like recapping a couple episodes ago, you were talking about you were excited for it, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, who is that?" 
And you told me, I was like, oh, I had no idea that that was part of the Spider-Man world. And then I told you that Aaron Taylor Johnson is rumored to play the next Bond. Mm. So you learned, you learned something new on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying, trying to bring some information for the folks. Um, very excited for that. Uh, anyway, go get yourself some Spider-Man comic books. Legendary stuff. Um, I'd, I'd strongly recommend Craven the Hunter series. Um, the, the Omni book uh, of Spider-Man. Uh, Death of Gwen Stacy. Spider-Man Blue. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Go get yourself a Google list. Read some books. Uh, and soon, we'll be back with our next episode. We're doing a little bit of a... Um, each guy picks one older movie, uh, each host, and we're going to review it. And the first one picked was Chris picking Hot Rod, the Andy Samberg comedy vehicle. Hell yeah. That we love Andy Samberg. So we're going to do the Andy Samberg Hot Rod pod coming up soon. Uh, thank you, fellas. This has been amazing. Go watch some Spider-Man. We love it. Go watch some Spider-Man. One thing to add before we get out of here, mm-hmm. we talked about it quickly in the beginning of the pod. I caught a lot of slack from some people for uh, for glossing over Succession on the last episode. We will at some point do a, a series recap of Succession at the end of season four, too. Yeah, there's there's more content coming out than we can handle out here. So um, <laughs> just just know if we don't get to all your content, you know, we're gonna get there eventually. Well, if not. there's if there's things that any of our listeners want to hear, we'd love to do a mailbag app. Exactly. Drop drop the remote pod at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. Find us on the Instagram, drop the remote pod. Uh, we got lots of great stories and content going up there. Um, and then as always, you can follow me on Instagram, any of that good stuff. Find Ben Houck on the, on the internet. I'm the one with the goofy pictures. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll find me. Uh, fellas, thanks again. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Peace. 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 Peace.